Hey all, welcome back to Down to Brown. This is Lahari, your host. And as you know, we spend time at least once a week to uncover the answer in some way to what would life look like if we freed ourselves from the pressures of American assimilation and South Asian stigmas to be our best, most authentic selves. Today, we start to answer that in the lens of drumroll, Bollywood. I'm doing jazz hands, but you cannot see me, so that is unfortunate. I've been waiting to do this topic, y'all, and I wanted to do it right because it's really easy to talk about Bollywood for just what it is, this fun hoopla of colors, emotions, storylines, plot lines, and culture that come together in this explosion. And it is so fun to watch. The older I got though, especially as a millennial who grew up in the 90s, I think a lot of us started to look at some of the movies that we watched and idealized some of the actors, actresses, and thought, that's interesting. I didn't realize that at the time. And so today I am joined by Shabnam Gulati, a host of another podcast. Her podcast is called Cultured or Not, and it's fantastic. Please check it out. Um, They talk about things that make topics uniquely South Asian. And Shabnam and I try to answer the question of how do we think about Bollywood as we start to healthily critique the identities we share with overlaps of, again, American and South Asian influences. Whether or not you're familiar with Bollywood, this conversation still invites you in because Bollywood is not much different from Hollywood, bear with me, in that we think of it as entertainment, but it is much more than that. It is a huge industry. It makes 183 billion rupees a year, which roughly converts to about 2.5 billion US dollars. And of course, that might not be Hollywood money, but in rupees and for what that industry is, that's enormous. What's also enormous is, not a that's what she said joke, but the amount of countries that consume this. Bollywood is not just watched by South Asians or South Asians who have immigrated. It is also consumed by countries such as, I found some of these surprising, Afghanistan, which I only knew because my Uber driver once told me that that was the case before he started to play songs from Cholet. China and Taiwan, um, apparently Amir Khan is really famous there. And now you might be like, girl, Lahari, those are all near India. Like, come on, move on. Let's get something impressive. Well, then I have a surprise for you. There's also Germany and Poland, which watch uh, Bollywood, especially since Shah Rukh Khan started doing films in that area. And lastly, this was the big twist for me, Nigeria. And who do they love? Sanjay Dutt. So... Of course, the scope is big worldwide. And I'm setting the stage for my next point, which is the fact that with that much scope comes that much influence. And the influence of Bollywood cannot be denied. Shabnam and I, having grown up in the 90s, we focus on that era of films. And we realized how much those films had an influence on us, both positively and negatively. Think about it. Bollywood was sometimes the way that we learned more and more about our culture if we couldn't always travel to South Asia ourselves. It was also a safe thing to have on TV. 
if your family was like mine, my parents felt really comfortable having Bollywood on because it showcased our values. It was our culture. They knew that nothing would come on that was going to be super disaligned with what they believed in or even just from a PDA perspective. On the other hand, if I was trying to watch Friends, my parents would carefully watch my expression to see if I ever reacted or laughed at any sex jokes, which is such a fun and relaxing way to consume television as a child. (laughs) Jokes aside, Bollywood had such a positive impact on me in so many ways. The music is so fun. It can be so lively. It makes you want to dance. So Bollywood dancing was a blast. But also, it can really capture emotions so beautifully and poetically. I mean, it. if you're having an emo day, just hit me up and I'll shoot you a few gloomy songs. And it is Adele on crack. It also showed me the language. It showed me what family traditions could look like. It introduced me to some subcultures of South Asia, some of the history at times, which were always turned into romantic plot lines. But there was a lot there. And moreover, it just gave me warmth and nostalgia and a way to connect with my South Asian community. Even if we felt awkward sometimes figuring out our place in American society, Bollywood was something that we could kind of all agree on. It was like our sport. But on the flip side, there was parts that were and are pretty messed up. For example, the gender dynamics that are still shown to this day can be very problematic. Women tend to be portrayed in ways that still reinforce male control or male dominance. Um, To be honest, I wish the item number would die. Um, And the beauty standards can reinforce a lot of the colorist attitudes we have in South Asia. For example, one of the most incredibly gorgeous actresses of our Bollywood industry is Aishwarya Rai. Like if you were someone who looks at her and says, "Eh, I have seen better, I'd be seriously concerned. Um, The only person that can be more beautiful than Aishwarya Rai is your mom, because that's just really sweet and true. But other than that, like there's no denying she's gorgeous. But at the same time, there's no one that really looks that way in South Asia. So the standards that we internalize can become very impossible to achieve. Um, And therein also lies this piece of we really look up to still Western standards and in many ways. There's pure plagiarism where there's, you know, they rip off movie plot lines, songs, um, choreography, um, and entire films where they're just pulled blindly from the West. There's also the piece of taking certain behaviors or practices that are in Hollywood movies and copying it to Bollywood where Western society might be ready for it, but Eastern society might not be. And so it can feel sometimes like it's not really aligned with what the society is experiencing and therefore it can backfire. For example, the way that a Bollywood actress dresses is not really the way that most of us can dress on the streets of India, Um, not just for judgment's sake, but for safety's sake. So there are things that I really wish like could be a little bit more representative. Um, And not to mention some of the negative narratives we see around different groups in India, especially for Muslims or the way that we portray caste um, with still very negative rhetoric around Dalits, et cetera. And um, don't even get me started about the LGBTQ community 
they are incredibly ill represented in Bollywood right now. In fact, Akshay Kumar is one of the highest paid actors in Bollywood. Recently, he came out with a film where the whole twist of the movie was that he was a cross-dresser and that's why he's a murderer. That cannot be the reason why someone, that just does not make sense. Like that is so, so um, offensive and discriminatory. And so that is where I think we're, we're starting to see some progress, but it's much more complex. I will get off my soapbox now. The last two housekeeping things are, one, we split this episode into two parts. This episode is focused on the impact of Bollywood on our lives growing up. And then the second half next week will be Shabnam talking to us about her stint in Bollywood, which is so cool. And she tells us about the good, bad, ugly, and glamorous of that time. The second piece is the city of Oakland decided to chop down trees and grind them right as we were about to record. To be fair, they're doing it for wildfire prevention, but the timing just was so ill-fated. So if you hear some background noise, I'm truly, truly apologetic about it and hope you will bear with us. I tried my best. Shabnam Galati in the house and Shabnam is not only a kick-ass player in the tech field by day but also has a podcast called Cultured or Nah, correct? Yes, that's correct and I'm very excited to be here as well. Um, This is the second podcast I've ever been on that's not my own and the first podcast I was ever on that wasn't my own, um, it was like very like, you know, like tech related and I was just talking about tech. So I I feel like this is great because it feels like to me my first appearance on someone else's podcast that isn't just my own. Yeah, that's got to be trippy. Plus now, like, you know, the tech one was one thing, but we get to know you as a person. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. And also it's, it's kind of nerve wracking as well. So be gentle with me. <laughs> as you know, we're both here today to talk about a very interesting experience that I learned, which I was surprised you didn't mention earlier when I met you, which was that you were at one time in Bollywood um, and trying to make it in that work. Yeah, I was. It was it was just a crazy, crazy time period in my life that I learned a lot from. So that's going to always be something to look back on. Of course. So let's take it back before you got there. What was your meet cute with Bollywood? What was your first movie? When did you first hear about it? Okay, so I think the first Hindi film I ever watched was Rangila. Um, I think I was age four. At least like that's the first one that I remember I'm sure that it was always like on in the background on TV or something when I was a child, but I think it was probably Rangila was the first time that I went to a theater with my parents to watch it and I um and I was aware of what is happening. And and so and and I don't think that at that age I had seen a non-Indian film before. Um of course I'd seen people on TV and, and, you know, they were American, but my first film being watched in a theater was a Bollywood film. So I guess, and this is probably common for a lot of South Asian immigrants because you're relying on your parents to take you to see a film. So (laughs) this, uh, this is probably a lot of people's experience. Oh, totally. Rangila is a really interesting first choice because it's also quite intimate. I feel like I remember seeing all those songs and being like, is this what romance and passion is like (laughs) for adults? (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel like at age four, I like really didn't get it. I think all I remember thinking was that um, Ormila was very pretty. Yes. And I remembered being annoyed every time like Jackie Shroff came on the screen. Because, you know, I guess it's those scenes where he's like romancing her. But I'm like, ew, like, why is this old man <laughs> touching the main girl? Because she's like so pretty and he's not. And like it, now as an adult, I actually think... Jackie Shroff is very handsome but as a child you know I was like he has a mustache like he sucks and so like <laughs> I think I was very annoyed and I just wanted to see more of like you know like Ormilla dancing around in her little frock and and like it was like I would just get annoyed every time Jackie Shroff came on the screen. That's so annoying I feel like Bollywood also does a great job of sort of like quietly villainizing the guy that like is clearly not going to end up with the girl like even uh Anil Kapoor and Thal I remember like now looking back I'm like what a hottie um and even Jackie Sharaf right to your point like total zaddy but like you see that and you're like no but she's supposed to end up with the cute nice quiet guy that she loved in the beginning yeah, I think I think it, it it is that where it's like that like weird subliminal like I think they just give I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your podcast, but I don't, this is the first thing that came to mind when I was comparing like Anil Kapoor and Thal and Jackie Shroff in um, in Rangila. I was like, yeah, they just give that other guy like BDE, you know, like it's like that's what they're doing, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I will say that in Rangila, the guy like Amir Khan's character was not quiet, whereas like obviously in Thal, Akshay Khanna's character is. But like Amir yeah. Khan's character in Rangila is like he is almost equally undesirable for a very long time and and I think that like I haven't actually watched the movie Rangila as an adult so I really don't remember I feel like I've only seen parts of it and I'm sure if I watched the movie now I'd be like this is a stupid movie but like I feel like (laughs) back then all I could think about was like neither one of these guys is good enough for her and I didn't even care about like who she ends up with because I was like why does this woman need a man like she is so cool on her own and I guess that explains who I am today so oh totally that's really telling yeah, a lot of the times you're like, are these the only options? Like, could we go with a none of the above? Can I yeah, keep dating? I <laughs> That's like, and and this is the problem. Bollywood has ruined romance for me in real life, too, because I'm like, yeah, like, I'll just, like, be over here doing my own thing and guys will just come to me. And I am over here doing my own thing, but guys aren't coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, the way it fucks with you. I completely agree. So... Before I share anything, I mean, that actually brings me to something I was wondering, too, is like, I think we talk about this in the South Asian community of not only did we have Bollywood, but we also had Disney and then we had Hollywood. So while that's great from a richness of options, it also means a richness of different messages we're getting about romance and life and what it means to have goals as a woman. So how did you sort of resolve all of those spheres of influences? Um, I don't know that me having goals as a woman was ever off the table. And now that I hear you say that, actually, because I hadn't thought about it, but now that I hear you say the Bollywood thing, especially the Bollywood we grew up with, Bollywood today is very different. Like, there's a lot more feminist stories out there now. But the Bollywood that we grew up with, the woman was usually just a hot piece of ass, and that was, like, her only role in the film. Um, And then, but also, like, I will say, like, in the 90s, 
women were very zesty in Bollywood, like in the 90s and the 2000s. Like they definitely had a personality. Like so when I think about the films before um, they and, and I think this is probably what gets me into trouble. I think I have a sharp tongue when I talk to guys. I think I like am witty. I think I not in like a, I'm not praising myself way, but I sometimes feel like was that too witty? <laughs> it's like sometimes I just feel like was that too witty was that too you know sharp and and so sometimes I feel bad about that but I, I think part of it is what we just talked about like I think women were always portrayed in the 90s the 2000s like as I like you know if you look at Kajol and like DDLJ she's a bookworm and she does not have time for Shah Rukh Khan for like a long ass time like for more than half the movie she doesn't have time for him and then suddenly she's like oh yeah actually I like this guy but like you know she she has to come to it on her own same with like pretty much any film like the women characters were um just like strong in their own in the 90s and the 2000s so I think that really did have a very large impact on me they always knew their strengths in like Delta Fogglehead like Gurish Kapoor was feisty um Madhuri Dixit was a great dancer like they were very different people but they like always knew what their strengths are and like who they are as people I think later on like Bollywood went through this phase of like the woman being only the accessory and those were kind of like I don't want to throw Katrina Kaif under the bus, but they were kind of like those Katrina Kaif films. And also for Deepika Padukone's early part of her career, they were those films, you know, where like it was just about the actress being like very skinny and very tall and very hot. And she wasn't doing much for most of the film. And so, um, yeah, I think like that probably shaped my perspective of like the films that we grew up with. The female character had a lot of personality. I think like same with Disney princesses, right? All of them had a lot of personality. They just, like, at the end of the day, the guy comes and saves them. So I think, like, that that kind of impacted what I expected out of life, which is, like, I'm going to be here doing my own thing, like, having my own goals, like, being my own feisty self. And then, of course, like, I'm still waiting for, like, my prince to come and save me from whatever. But um, that part hasn't happened yet. But I think, I think that's, like, the problem because I think it put in this idea where, like, it's good enough to just do your own thing and people will recognize that you're cool and come up to you and that part hasn't played out in real life absolutely that is so interesting and I'm, I'm really glad that you pointed out that piece of the women having so much personality you are absolutely right and I think when I look back at those movies too of that era which you also called out of like the 90s are growing up as millennials the Bollywood we consumed I actually felt like is that the personality I'm supposed to be like bubbly and like chipper and like there's some kind of like your word zesty right um and to your point there's like a shift that happens when they find the guy and to go into that further I felt like it was like the woman sort of it's shown like she's zesty but also immature almost and like by meeting the man she matures or like she becomes serious and like suddenly she loses that like like all those movies we talked about too and you referenced the minute that like the love moment happens and it becomes real there's so much gravity and like she becomes sort of more contemplative and like a like a softer version of the part that we were sold in the beginning of the movie does that resonate with you at all Oh, yeah, completely. And I'm thinking about it more so now. And I think that's what I expected to happen. Um, and that's partially also why I've never been 
dying to be in a relationship or like dying to get married ASAP. And maybe part of that is because of everything that we grew up with. Like it always was shown in the movies that when people are getting married, and this is specifically in Bollywood, they never seemed happy, right? And I think like even at the yeah, like they're always crying when they're leaving. And then um, even at the also, there's lots of scenes in Bollywood movies where people are getting married against their will. But even if you think about like, um, let's take Kuch Kuch Hota Hai as an example. I was just going to say that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a pro- and that that movie is very formative. And, and it's like crazy that Karan Johar has this much power where he's like influenced an entire generation of, of women. But like, I think... Gajal was like, look at all the messaging in that movie. It's like the hot girl wins first because you got to be hot and not have a lot of personality. Rani had had personality in the film, but she wasn't like, you know, like at the end of the day, I was like, this is a lot of mixed messaging. As an adult, I'm like, what are you telling us? You can wear really skimpy clothes, but as long as you sing Om Jai Jagdish, which is a religious song, it's all cool. Okay, cool, cool, cool. As long as we're on the same page about that. Like if you can be secretly religious, aka sanskari, and you wear slutty clothes, that's all good. So basically you got to be hot. That's like criteria number one for how to get a guy. Be hot, you know? And, and then like- how Shah Rukh Khan treated her until she sang that song, right? it's like oh you're just like a bimbo right like you're like you wear your short skirts and the minute she does that he's like oh man she's deep (laughs) you're like what that changed your mind yeah exactly it's like pretty silly and then Gajal's like around and she's like his best friend but he treats her like she's one of the guys um and she had a lot of personality like in the beginning Mm. and I feel like then when she when when she gets older I think that's what I always expected to happen to myself like when I get older like everything changes about her she has long hair now she like wears saris like she went from wearing overalls to saris like not even an in-between where she just wears like regular pants like (laughs) She's just like, like somber as fuck all the time. Like yeah. she needs children to light her up in life. Yeah. And it's like really weird that she's become so somber, you know, yeah. unless the heartbreak was just like so bad that and, and I guess that can happen in people where like the heartbreak is just so bad. But then that should be more of like more of what they play on, because I also was doing a mental calculation in my mind when like I rewatched the movie as an adult because like Anjali is eight years old. And, like, these people were in college. So I'm like, okay, so I know Bollywood doesn't like to pretend anyone's, like, in their 30s. But that means Kajol <laughs> has to have been in her 30s when she's getting married to Salman Khan. Like, that's the only explanation, you know? And so it's almost just, like, she's in her 30s. So I guess that personality type makes sense. But then I think about, like, myself in the next few years. And I think about Kajol. And I'm like, am I going to be, like, a sari-wearing somber woman? Like, I don't know about that. So so it's, like, hard. Um, and then I also think about like how like he falls for her again but she's actually like a completely different person now than who she was um but like you know like he's falling for her because he knows her so like it's kind of weird but and then also like she's willing to marry Salman Khan because she's agreed to marry him but it's like then that whole scene of like he's like holding her hand and taking her to the mandap and you think he's about to force her to marry him and you're like oh my god but then he ends up being like no I want you to marry Shah Rukh Khan but it, but it, even that whole aspect of like that male dynamic of permission I feel like now drives me up the wall because I'm like as a child I was like oh wow like that was so nice of him and like this is like so great but now as an adult I'm like horrified because I'm just like she needs his permission to be able to marry the love of her life yeah totally and like the amount that her life 
it's sort of like she misses like she just starts to lose because Shah Rukh Khan doesn't love her back and until he loves her back she's not winning in the movie right um and they did this also with women I noticed towards like as we neared our 2000s like much say those karogi like I never understood why people needed to wait for someone to let them marry the person. I'm like, be direct with your feelings, bro. Like, Krithik Roshan's like torturing Karina Ka- or uh, Rani Mukherjee the whole time of like, you gotta come out and say that we like each other. Uh, first of all, he's the idiot that actually fell for Karina Kapoor because he's like, oh, she's pretty. She must be the one writing these letters to me all this time. And at the end, Karina Kapoor again, like, goes through her humiliation of like, okay, so clearly you don't like me. And here you go. I give you permission to marry but that kind of directness of like just say what you want or who you want and do it they like torture 50 other people in the process right um and And torture the audience oh absolutely i'm like that's not good television that's just taking an idea and dragging it out for another hour um but what you said i was really thinking like i loved that you used kuchkushodahe as an example because i think that it's such a complicated relationship now as we're older. It has so much nostalgia in our minds and hearts. It was really formative to your point. But it's also one of the most devastating movies to rewatch because you're like, there's so much wrong with this. And I remember even like in high school, I started to feel sort of weirded out with this dynamic of like, so he gets both girls like when he just decides like one wife dies and he's like all right well it's kind of easy to be back with this girl like i never understood why he fell back in love with anjali and like kajal's character like there wasn't really much other than they were reliving some memories so it was sort of a yeah like well or actually (laughs) some of it is yeah but some of it is also now he can see her as hyper feminine because now she has long hair and now she's wearing a sari So I think that part also to me was like, basically, you need to be conventionally attractive to get the guy, you know, like that, like at the end of the day. And and I think that that somber demeanor of casual is like was something that was also very formative for me, because I think I always thought like when I grow up, it's going to be like this for me. Obviously, I didn't envision myself like wearing saris, but I think of it. Think of like the Western equivalent. Like I actually thought, Lahari, I kid you not. When I grow up and I'm in my 30s, I'm going to be wearing Ann Taylor and going to be like going to work and have like a bob. That's what I thought. It's like I can tell you right now as someone that is like going to be in that decade in in like soon, I don't think that's going to happen to me. Yeah. I feel like I'm not over wearing like, you know, like short shorts that are like denim with cutouts. Like I feel like I'm not done. But I I think that I never thought that this is going to be like how I'm going to dress and like the way I'm going to be like, I really thought when, once you're of that marriable age, everything changes about you because that's what like Bollywood made us believe. Like, oh, now you have to be serious. Yeah. Now you have a family to look after, blah, blah, blah. I mean, even and, society, and, right? Like there's this expiration date. You mentioned it earlier, like 30s. That's it, right? Like even my parents yeah. would refer to that up until the longest time. And you really do have to rewrite. And there is a point where you're like, oh, shit, I can be this age and be young and youthful and energetic. Like, Kajal's character is my goals. Like, when, not after she changes, but before. Like, her college spirit is usually how I am at home. And minus the weird, like, like voice she does. But, like, I love her dynamic. And that's how my fiancé and I interact with each other. We're really playful. We joke around a lot. It's like kids kind of, like, in a mature sense, if that makes sense. And that's what makes life fun for me. And 
recently this weekend, like I was actually at uh, my cousin's house and my like second nieces and nephews sort of situation. Like they were like, oh, wait, you're 30. Uh, And I was like, yeah, I'm a 31. I just turned 31. And they're like, oh, we thought you were like 25, 26. And like aside from like, I'm not saying that to be like, yeah, my looks, but I realized it's probably because, like, I was wearing shorts and a crop T-shirt. I'm, like, you know, being lively with them and, like, running around and, like, playing around with them. And I was like, yeah, damn, should I have been wearing that Ann Taylor outfit? Like, am I supposed to represent myself differently? Because I don't feel that way right now as 31, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I completely... I get the same thing a lot, like from like younger coworkers and stuff, like they'll often just be like, but aren't you just like our age? And it'll get like a little bit awkward because sometimes I'm like, I want to be like in with the team, but I also want them to like see me as like senior. But it's like so difficult because then because then you're like, I want your respect as if I'm senior. But I also like want to be in. And and then it's like half the time people will tell me like, oh, I just feel like you're 24, or 25. And maybe because I still talk like I am. But then sometimes I worry about that because I'm like, should I not talk like this anymore? But like, I, I don't know. I'm just being me, you know, like and, and I think that's the thing. Like, I think we we have had and I'm so glad that we live in an age now where like age seems more fluid and people are doing things like in their 40s and 50s and and like it just feels amazing that people are you know like they have these lives post 30 and 40 where like people are doing amazing things in their 40s and 50s and 60s and they're getting recognized for it and it's not just like I think within our generation my hope is we'll stop asking people what their age is as a way of justifying them it's almost how like we are slowly moving away from successful female entrepreneur to just successful entrepreneur. I'm really hoping that shift happens where we stop being like, look at this 62 year old model to look at this model, you know? Absolutely. I know. And that transition is going to take time because I feel like we were just at the cusp of it. And I really hope it also, cause th- this is true of American society and then also South Asian society. I feel like even when I got engaged, there was like a different way people treated me like when they talked to me on my team, like it's sort of like, oh, now you're like this adult. And like, I remember feeling this like, oh, yeah, it's so weird because before they'd like give me advice and like they'd be like, oh, tell me about your dating life. But now no one gives a shit. Right. Like um, and like so I always thought that was really interesting, even in American society. But in South Asian society, I really hope it like changes things soon because it really does feel like your life you just are sort of not only supposed to like it's not just an age looks thing but women after their 50s or 40s to your point I saw them being more I have to rest I have to stay at home I slow down and that happens of course with us just getting older in our bodies but my grandma for example after 50 she was just done she just sat in a chair and sat on her bed and people would bring her things and that's what I saw so what kind of like life does that promise you yeah I think I had the same concern um because I also think this is an Indian thing or like you know like a Desi thing a South Asian thing versus like Western society because I did not see that in the West I like growing up I always saw and my parents would always comment on this that like they would they would say like old women in the U.S. look so nice like they would comment on this and they'd be like American old women look so nice because like they're going at the grocery store doing their own groceries they have like 
you know, like little bits of makeup on. They like look very clean. They look very put together and they're just like still carrying on living their lives. And then they're like, but if you think about our in-laws or if you think about, um, like the older women that we have come to know, and especially if you think about them in India and not in the US, most of them are like sitting around in a sari, like with their stomachs hanging out. And I don't mean any of this to be derogatory at all, like towards South Asian women, but I, I really think the expectations are changing. I think that the expectation back in the day for a woman, a woman was that you would get married and gain weight like this is this is definitely like everyone expects this like you you get married you gain weight and like that's just expected you pop out a child you continue to gain weight you gain more and more weight as you go along when when your sons get married you have daughter-in-laws to do the household work and then you rest and you pay your dues throughout your time period but to your in-laws by doing all the household work and this is why you have sons so that when you get um get older your daughter-in-law can come in and now it's her turn to do the work and you rest and you demand people give you things in your hands so i feel like that's just culturally what we grew up with and came to expect i'm so glad frankly that we live in a time where that's changing both in india and in the west and and that's not the case and it hasn't been the case in the west for a long time but i'm just glad that like we have more opportunities because i was thinking that was going to be my future too like i'm going to have to deal with some annoying mother-in-law like who i have to service non-stop and and that's like kind of an expectation that i grew up with probably another reason why i put off just like serious relationships altogether because i'm like everything just seems like it's a lot of work and it's unpleasant but that's that's because like nothing that south asian cultural like media has ever led me to believe is that marriage is is happy like nothing about it has ever seemed happy even like in movies when the bride wants to get married to the guy that she's getting married to at the actual ceremonies she's always somber she's always like composed because that's the expectation so I had never like grown up thinking that marriage is like some sort of like blissful existence of yourself and your partner i like i think i always saw it as like a basket of responsibilities and society loves to make it seem like you have 10 years between like your 20s to your 30s like those 10 years are when you need to do everything and anything because after that point everything that just gets serious then you just get married you have kids and your life's over so i think i think that like I, and like now this feels like a therapy session where I'm like just telling you all of these thoughts <laughs> I've had for a long time. No, I'm so glad though because this is so important to unpack with Bollywood because I I think maybe you and I might agree, let me know if I'm wrong, but Bollywood is something that we look at with fondness and nostalgia and there probably there is a shift that's happening recently, but there is also a lot that we need to acknowledge from the past that probably weren't productive messages that we were getting right so the piece of like even what you mentioned of like people getting married looking somber it's also that you don't see what happens after the marriage like even um disney is like this too right you just see them end up together and then you don't see what happens i remember there was one movie that came out that was actually a tamil movie first and then became a hindi movie that was obsessed with satya and it has Ronnie Mukherjee, Vivek Oberoi, and they show marriage after. Um, Not pleasant. No, it's unpleasant as fuck. She has to disown her dad. Yeah. She doesn't get to see him like on his deathbed because she marries the guy that like her parents are against. And the marriage itself is really like, honestly, the problems they're going through. I'm like, y'all just need to communicate, go to therapy, you'll be fine, boo. But it takes like a bus hitting her for them to resolve their issues. And I'm like, this is 
so strange. Like Bollywood just taught me that the feelings themselves will somehow solve problems instead of you actually just talking about things and realizing where things, you know, like how to solve them as a couple. And that's where I realized like a lot of Bollywood have this like really weird theory humor me, but I'm like, should they have really married each other or should they have just boned, you know, like, are they, was that just lust? And like, did they need to get married? Because you learn nothing about what actually, you know, again, speaking as someone after ample therapy on how to date in America, I was like, compatibility as a concept was revolutionary to me. Like there are a lot of people you can love, but you're only compatible with a few people and you have to work on that compatibility too. And that's something that I felt like was zero percent model to me in like Bollywood. I know. So that's the thing. And and I'm so glad you brought up Satya. Like, I feel like now this is like an academic discussion on like the library of Bollywood, like the whole canon. But I, I feel like Satya is an important film because I think it was the first time that I ever saw anyone talk about what happens after marriage. And maybe that's why it was another reason to dread marriage, because it always just seemed like all the stories just end once you get married, you know? And then, of course, we get, like, one film, which is about life post-marriage, and it's, like, not even pleasant. So, okay, so Satya was an important film because, for the first time, we were asking the question of, like, so what then? Like, if you, like, yes, you got married, and it's, and it's like, the point that would typically be the climax point, which is, like, you know, Vivek Oberoi acting all dramatic to get the girl and ending up with a girl, that's usually the climax and the ending of most films. That point was just the the rising action for Satya, which is interesting because, like, you know, it was, it was just different. So I think it was, like, an important film for us all to see. S- similarly with, like, that other film, Jelte Jelte, I think was similar, right? Where it was, like... Um, they they get I don't remember if they actually get married or they're like in some sort of serious relationship, but then things start falling apart. And then I think that those films were important also to think about, like how marriage isn't everything. But I think that that's that's kind of like what we needed as a society also, because South Asians are obsessed with marriage. Like yes. they act like that is the goal of one's life. Like the goal is to get married. And I really think that also manifests in dating, frankly. Like I, I really struggle to date South Asian men because, and, and it's just, I will, I will cl- like clarify that, especially off dating apps. Like I think when this might just be my anecdotal experience, but it sometimes feels like when I go on a date, with a brown guy off an app it feels like an arranged marriage conversation like suddenly it's just like the metric we are going on is getting married and i'm like i'm not trying to get married that badly like i'm just trying to fall in love but i feel like people are so sort of like focused on if we are compatible in the long term in terms of they're like very much checkboxing like they're like do you want to have kids do you like do you want to continue working at Facebook? Like how many years do you see yourself staying at Facebook? Which city do you see yourself living in? And I'm like, bro, can you chill? Like, why are we talking about having kids on the first date? And this has happened to me like with almost every brown guy I've ever gone on a first date with. They have brought up having kids on the first date. And I am mortified because I'm like, I don't even know you yet. Like, I just feel like we can like stop discussing my ovaries, frankly. Like we we just met. Like I like I don't know you well enough to have this conversation with you. Like whether I want or I don't want kids is almost irrelevant at this point because 
I want you to focus on me. Like, I, I feel like, why are we already thinking about our children, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And whether or not they're doing it because they actually want to know those or think that they should ask those questions, who knows, right? But either way, to your point, like, there's like a lack of like, what about our connection? And I think that's where things get lost, even when we talk about Bollywood modeling things, is that people become so obsessed with that idea of not only marriage, but staying together. So your point on Chalte Chalte, like they might not have needed to stay together. Maybe that was like all the conflict was because they weren't compatible. But the happy ending is that they do end up together. And that's where it's like a little bit like also you're teaching that like at all costs, save the relationship, right? Stay in the relationship, even if maybe things are weird. Um, I remember that movie Yuva with like... um, a bunch of casts, but basically Ronnie Mukherjee's stories always made me feel really sad because Abhishek Bachchan's like a no good guy, but they have a passionate affair. So again, probably should have just boned or fucked and then like gotten over with. But they end up getting married and she's miserable because this guy is like not a reliable husband, but she stays with him until he go goes and gets himself killed and like um this like kind of crime that he commits. So those are things that I always wondered like why do we end up showing the settling? Like even if you remember the movie Jub We Met, like going back to our point of like the woman is so full of energy, then she gets like heartbroken and then that's it. Like her life is like you're not supposed to apparently live your life. It's like a death has happened to her. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that's also like we've all gone through our fair share of heartbreak. And I really thought that was going to happen to me. Like I thought like oh, like, I'm so heartbroken right now. Now I'm going to end up like, you know, like Karina Kapoor and Jub we met. Or I, I wasn't, like, expressly thinking I'm going to end up like her. But I think in my head, that's what I always pictured heartbreak sadness to be like, that I'm just always going to be this, like, transformed person now that my heart has been shattered. And now, having, having gone through, like, three or four major heartbreaks, I just feel like, thankfully, that hasn't happened. I bounced back. I became my bubbly self again. But yeah, I don't know why it makes it seem like your whole life is over if you don't end up with the guy you originally wanted. Yeah, and I, I really hear you on your experience with dating because, like, it really does shape the way it shows up so much, whether you're dating South Asian men or someone outside of the community. It's, I thought like, to your point, like on like how it affected, like I felt like I was supposed to make something work no matter what. Um, And I definitely overstayed in relationships because I thought like, oh, that's what you do though. Like you're supposed to be really committed and like compromisey. Yeah. I did that in college, which I'm like, you fool, you were hot as fuck. You should have gone out there and like gotten joined back the (laughs) dating scene, right? Um, But instead I stayed and I was like, oh no, but I think we're gonna have to make this work and whatever. Um, And the other piece is that after you break up, like as we were mentioning, I wish I was more like when I'm watching like my sister or like Gen Z go through breakups or things that we're even modeled now after like the late to th- uh, late 2000s being like 2010 onward. People like women go out, they talk to their friends, they figure it out. Like of course of course there's sadness, but there's still like life that keeps moving on. Um, and that's where I wish like that was also modeled because like at the age of 23 in the US, if you're imposing what you've seen in like Jub We Met here in your life, like it's so odd and incongruent with like everyone else, right? Like they're like, you broke up, so what? Okay, like it's sad, but let's move the fuck on. 
Yeah, exactly. On that point, on staying together being the metric, actually, um, this is a shameless plug for my podcast, but on Cultured or Not, the podcast, we recently did an episode on divorce, which, Lahari, I think you should check out, and I think anyone else should check out as well if, as they're interested, is that while I think also as South Asians, we've been so conditioned to think divorce is the absolute worst thing that can ever happen um and we but we as south asians almost are measuring marriage by the wrong metric we are measuring it by staying together as the metric um whereas in reality south asians are and like i i talked through plenty of data in the episode so you guys should definitely check it out but south asians are no more happy per se in their marriages than other people and i think like if you talk to like any indian parent they will love to be like but we have such a lower divorce rate in india compared to the u.s and like we are you know we're, we're we know how to make marriages work and it's like you know how to make people stay together that that doesn't mean you know how to make marriages work and i don't think any any culture frankly has cracked the code on like human happiness right so i, I don't think any culture can like brand like we know how to love better than everyone else but um i think south asians are very proud of that fact that there's like a lower divorce rate but there's a lot of stats to show that south asians are no happier in their marriages than others it's just that what's happening a lot of the time is what we call an invisible divorce and that people in the marriage no longer maybe have physical intimacy or they no longer and that's like maybe like one of the most more obvious signs and i think some of that depending on where you are in your relationship and like what age you're at, some of that may start to go anyway, but you might still deeply love each other. But some some symptoms where it's like, you may no, no, no longer have physical intimacy. You may no longer really talk about issues with your partner anymore. You may not look forward to seeing them every day. And, and a lot of times people are avoiding each other even while living within the same house, but they're living in the same house. So it's like, is your marriage really successful? It's more just like you're still together and that's your metric. And I think one thing that's also interesting to me about all of this is that South Asians tend to separate more than get divorced also. Because I think a lot of times, like, if you're separated, you're getting the benefit of basically being divorced. But then you don't have that, the social benefit. Yeah, you don't have the, the stamp on you of, like, divorced. And so a lot of people do that. And a lot of people, like, of, like, our parents' generation, frankly, because I think that they're also in a generation where it's difficult for them to, like, to process that I'm getting divorced or my marriage isn't working. So one way of handling that is just not living together anymore and, like, getting personal space from each other. But to the world, you're still married because you're not divorced. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like, that's like the only thing I wanted to add, which is like we did go in depth on this topic. So please check out Cultured or Not season three, episode three. I'm so glad you shared that. And I think this conversation would have been incomplete without that piece because you're absolutely right. And one thing you have me thinking, too, is maybe it's also the definition of marriage, right, that we might see differently so in American society, we've been taught marriage is supposed to be this like romantic union and it is a partnership, especially more and more. We're like, we have to be best friends and lovers sort of thing. But in um, South Asian society, there might be a difference, right? Like it's almost like Bridgerton remind me a lot of it of like protection and like families coming together and like you have the companion you need to do life with but there might not be as romantic of a notion. So I also sometimes wonder how much I'm imposing, right? Like my definition of marriage versus what might exist in our South Asian society, historically speaking. I think things are really shifting with that. 
Um, but there is no right or wrong. I think that's where it also gets tough. Like I, I used to question that a lot when I was hating on arranged marriage during my 20s when my dad was like, you should get an arranged marriage. And then I realized like, okay, it's not my place to really judge it. It's just that I prefer this way. This is how I see marriage as, right? Um, but the thing that even like going back to Bollywood that I never understood was that it all starts with this notion of romance and respect and admiration for each other. And then so quickly it shifts back into, it's almost like propaganda for, this is what it's actually supposed to be like though, guys. You know, like you can have all the romance, but it's all for this like still like serious uh, convenience-based kind of situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And and at the end of the day, it's still very much about... Um, the moral obligations and and actually certain films come to mind um, that I did want to call out since we're talking about the influence of Bollywood, especially in that 90s, 2000s time frame. So two films come to mind. Um, the first one was Judai, which I don't know if you saw, but I think it was quite a serious film. So a lot of people our age, I know, didn't watch it because their friends, their parents were like, I don't want them exposed to Judai at such a young age. And Judai means separation in Hindi. Um, and so it's funny because even our parents were like, I don't want my child watching this at this young age. Cause I think we were probably like eight or nine or 10 when that film came out. Um, and so, yeah, basically like in that film, I, and I mentioned this in that divorce episode, there's this dialogue where Sri Devi, I think the plot is Anil Kapoor wants to leave Sri Devi for like a young hot woman. I like don't exactly remember because the only time I've seen that film is when I was that age. But this also shows you how impressionable our minds were at that age that I remember these things from like, you know, like 20 years ago. Um, so basically, like he says in that film, um, so actually he says he wants to leave her and Sri Devi asks him, how do you say, how do you say divorce in Hindi and he says talaq and she says no that is how you say divorce in Urdu in Hindi we don't have a word for it because it's not part of our culture and so that dialogue really struck with me it stuck with me for so long because basically I think the point was being made like as Hindus and as like Hindu people living in an Indian society, we do not have the affordances of divorce because like Islam permits divorce. Um, but uh, we do not have that. And the word does not even exist in our language because that's not a part of our culture. And so, yeah. And it's like weird because also Hinduism is pretty fluid about a lot of things but people don't really realize that and and I think like I, I can do a whole episode on this and I actually am planning on doing one about like what the Hindu marriage actually means because like you know people will think like oh like seven rounds around the fire means you're going to be married for like seven lifetimes yada yada but like you know there's actually like deeper meaning to all of those pharaohs and, and all of those things and a lot more of it than you would think is just like practical versus like this glamorized notion of you're always going to stay together. Um, but anyway, that's like separate topic altogether. But yeah, I think like in general, like Indian society overall has crafted this narrative that like you have to stay together. And another film that comes to mind that was also such a weird offbeat film at the time. And I don't think it's like, I wouldn't even call it like Bollywood. I, I would call it like Hindi indie film almost because it had like Tabu in it. And I remember it was like a weird offbeat film. I don't know if other people saw it. It was called Astitva. And I feel like the... Did you ever see it, Lahari? 
Okay, I'm glad because I know my parents thought it was like a little bit of a weird film, but I also feel like in some ways um, it was maybe a little bit easier for indie films to get some distribution back then just because everything was on VHS and it was difficult for like parents to know, like, you know, you couldn't watch a trailer as easily or something to be like, I want to watch this, I don't want to watch this. So people would just, were so starved for almost any film that would come out on VHS that was Hindi. They just watch anything back then. So, um... We were watching Astitva, and I also remember my mom being like, should Shabnam be watching this film? Because she was thinking, like, is this going to influence her negatively in life? And um, in that film, it was like, Tabu wants to get a divorce. I don't remember who the actors were, but she's... Um, or like, I think they wanted to get a divorce and maybe marry other people, or it was that her husband had died and then she wanted to get married as an older woman to someone else. Like she wanted... Her children would not let her do it. They were like, this is embarrassing that you could even want something like this. And the whole time, I just remember thinking, like, even as a child, I was like, why is this woman's life over just because her husband is no longer around? Like, it's just so unfair. And, and like, this also goes back to very morbid but like Indian traditions overall like back in the day when women would become widowed they would burn them alive with the body right and so it's or almost just like if water right like that was just such a sad thing to see like they live in that community and then they just get prostituted out or like they just yeah to, like, they get like there. outcast from society yeah exactly and like I didn't watch water but I know that in a lot of other films they show that they have to constantly be wearing white they have to like shave their head because they have to like seem like they are you know not attractive off the market anymore and so I just feel like and imagine being a young widow like imagine for like some reason you're like 25 and your husband dies your whole life is like that basically and it's just so upsetting but but I mean going back to like these films and their influence I just think that what marriage means and like has been cemented by film and a lot of these like I think film in in India and especially in South Asia overall film is a way more powerful tool than in the West and I think like people just do what is shown in film they like live their lives by it so so it's one of those things where like as a tool it is so powerful and this is this is why like the influence of like what a Bollywood actor's influences versus like what a Hollywood actor's influences are actually incomparable. Like yeah. no one in Hollywood has as much power as Shah Rukh Khan. Right. No one is lining up in front of his house like he is a god or messiah. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. Um, yeah. And that is where I'm like Shah Rukh Khan has so much power. Like I'm just, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm like so many of these characters I wouldn't even question or wouldn't allow myself to go further in the questioning because it was Shah Rukh Khan. So a lot of the characters yeah. that he acted in in Karan Johar's movies, I actually resent. Now when I think about, I'm like, he was kind I know, of a shitty guy. Yeah. yeah, like the way he even, quote, flirts with Rani Mukherjee or Kajal and Kuch Kuch Hotahe, which we refer to. Dilto Pagalhe. He leads Karishma the fuck on and then is like, what? You're into me? Nah. So like, it's super weird, but you are enamored because you're like, oh, but it's Shah Rukh Khan playing it. So the brand power almost foreshadows who the character is and how toxic he could be too, right? It's a really good way to like mask those toxic masculinity concepts and present it as this is who you need. So I thought that was normal, right? Like I thought that's how flirting was going to work or like that's how the type of guy I should go for. So I fell for a lot of assholes in the beginning of my 20s because of that reason. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, I, I think like the 
now when I look back, so I don't think I've ever been a Shah Rukh Khan fan, which might be like a weird thing to say. Um, I hope people, yeah, I've, I've never been a Shah Rukh Khan fan. I think even as a child, I, I think I just thought he was annoying. But um, I think as I aged and when I watched, I, I do love the films, I will say. Like, I love Dilwale Dilani Jenge. I just watched it again like two weeks ago because I was like, I need to watch this movie again. Especially because also like with me, Bollywood's relationship with the West is also probably my relationship with the West in some way. I think we were just talking about this before we officially hit record, right? Which is that we've always had a glamorized version of London. And I think we have that for two reasons. We have that because the US glamorizes it and it shows it so well in every film, but also Bollywood glamorizes it. And I think like when I moved there, I realized like that house that they show in Gabi Kushi Gabi Gum, where like they're living in this big ass house. I'm like, no one lives like that in the UK. They have such small houses there. Like I was like, they're like the houses there are like one fourth the average of like it's my parents' house. In New Jersey, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, but like they like in the UK, people have very tiny houses, everything's so tiny. They don't live these like glamorous lives that are shown in Bollywood. Like in general, they have like way lower standards of living than in the US. But it's like something that's been glamorized for us for both in Hollywood films as well as in Bollywood films. And I feel like it just leads you to believe that there's going to be this like excess of wealth when you move to the United Kingdom, but it's not true. And um, and it's just like so different. So I, I think like that's the thing. And then when I saw going back to Shah Rukh Khan, when I see like his characters now, like I think I watched the Valley of the Lenia almost like again recently, not for nostalgia of him, but nostalgia of like that feeling of like, when I used to think like moving to London would be so cool or like, you know, cause they show like so many scenes from like even my home station, like where I used to live, like on the tube, like that station is featured in there and stuff like that. So I watched those films for almost like the, the dream that I was sold on and like realizing that this was a dream I was sold on more so than like the actor or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I always thought he was like obnoxious and, and I wanted to make a meme about this, but within that same movie in DDLJ, his character is like he has to be schizophrenic like you can't go from being like a fuck boy that's like he's literally like a fuck boy that like just has fun with his friends robs beer from a little store like that's who he is and then like then on the train he's like said but suddenly he's like mozart like he can also like play the piano like so well and it's like where did he learn that skill nobody knows we never talk about his mother in that whole film we don't know why he doesn't have one and then like you know like we're just like suddenly he's Romeo but then he's also an asshole but then he also can like dance really well at these like Bollywood functions and shoot pigeons and play cricket like he can do it all and I'm just like who is this guy how come he can do every single thing and and just like adapt as per the situation needs him to adapt and go from like being a total fuckboy to being so seriously madly in love with Gajol that he's gonna get beat up for her in Punjab you know like I'm just like what like this guy is schizo <laughs> No one man can do that. But look at these heightened, heightened expectations of men that Bollywood has like put on us where I'm like, real men just disappoint me now because they're not that. I think the other thing is that it's like going back to that earlier point of like the man somehow changes during marriage and the woman is supposed to sort of facilitate that growth for him, which is, I think, again, like a whole different conversation altogether, like the woman transforms so marriage is good for the man um and 
it's also implying like, you know, a lot of people like we've probably heard this growing up is that like men will change after they fall in love or get married. In this case, it's like he falls in love. And the whole notion of like um, it's Amrish Puri, I think, right? The dad. I was like, if I was her dad, of course I would say no to that guy because he was literally a dick to him. Right. Like if you are a parent and that's how you meet their person. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to support this. And somehow you villainize the dad and you come to side with Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, there was nothing about him that anyone should have wanted. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say was that, like, there was a book that I read when I was um, kind of figuring out dating. My therapist recommended this book called Attached. And it talks about uh, secure, anxious and avoidant attachment. Have you read the book, by the way? I haven't read it, but uh, one of the guests that I had on um, for that divorce episode, actually, she was an attachment specialist and she talks to people a lot about oh. attachment theory. So we spent um, a lot of time talking about attachment types. Amazing. Yeah, no, I definitely have to hear that episode then. Um, but I like this was my Bible in my 20s. And I didn't realize also how much Bollywood portrayed that anxious attachment, which is that you're constantly like the way that we romanticize possessiveness or, you know, standing up for the woman or disappearing and then like coming back, like that's avoidant. Um, There are a lot of anxious and avoidant attachment styles shown, but the secure attachment was very rarely shown. And I always think of like Ajay Devgan's character in Hamdil De Chokesanam as like the one example. And he's supposed to be so unattractive and unappealing, like, grotesque almost like even in the movie they call him out up front when his character is introduced as like you're so dark how can you end up with that girl she's so fair-skinned and that's his sister talking to him but ultimately that's the type of relationship that I wish was modeled more but you're so much in caught up in the story of Salman Khan and Aishwarya Rai ending up together again a couple that probably should have just had a summer fling and moved on Um, but they don't and so you watch three hours of that story I, I think that I do like the Salman Khan character. I do like the Ajay Devgan character. Kuch Kuch Hoda, I mean, sorry, I, I should have clarified since Salman Khan was in both films. But Salman Khan's character in Kuch Kuch Hoda and Ajay Devgan's character in um, Hamdil De Chukitsinam are very similar characters. But that's what I mean. Like, I think that there was a lot of that sort of like, but if the man that she's supposed to be married to is okay with it, then this can proceed. Otherwise, it's like, it's not really up to her alone. When... It really should be. Yeah, absolutely. I think even um, one movie that I really loved, Kalho Naho, um, I don't know, I still probably want to rewatch it again as like out of like nostalgia. But that's another case, right? Like I found it really interesting that Preeti Zinta's life was completely manufactured by Shah Rukh Khan, right? Like in the end of the day, similar themes that you mentioned with like Saif Ali Khan is a player, um, doesn't take life seriously, is going to strip clubs with his dad. And then suddenly he like is like, oh, I actually do like my friend. Um, But why does he like her? It's because Shah Rukh Khan creates all these like schemas for him to fall in love with her and then vice versa. Like when it's like the second half is like winning her over. He doesn't tell her the truth about himself. Speaking of like your thing about like he's schizo, like that, I felt like, what is Shah Rukh Khan doing? And then at the end, he's super weird. He's like, it's like he tells Saif Ali Khan, like, in this life, you have her, but she's mine forever. Like, does she have a say in this? Like, why is he the one who gets to do all this? Like, this is so fucked up. Like, they're getting married and you're constantly flaunting in Saif Ali Khan's face that she was supposed to be with you. 
it was so strange. Like when you think about actually the message that it sent. Yeah, exactly. It it reemphasizes women are just property. You just got to look hot. <laughs> but also be bubbly and spunky because while that's all going to change after you get married, that's what makes you attractive in the first place. Yes, and remove your glasses, please, because that transforms yes. you. <laughs> exactly. Just be hot. Just be hot. And that brings us to the end of part one. Bali, was it good for you? Next week, we have our second part releasing with Shabnam Gulati again of Cultured or Not. And this time we'll be transitioning into experience in Bollywood, trying to take a stab at that career. She covers the good, the bad, the ugly, the glamorous, and moreover, the toggling between identities that she experienced. I mean, when we're talking about dreams, let's say, we learn about the American dream, and then she was also trying to make her Indian Bollywood dream happen as well. So what happens when these two dreams are single and ready to mingle? That we find out in this context next week. Until then, I'll leave you with Shabnam's parting words. Just be hot. Just be hot this week, guys. Love you and see you next week.